Joe Doyle, who is the president of the Catholic Action League of Massachusetts. Back to the Mike Church Show here on the Crusade Channel Live Talk Radio, the way it should be here. Because as is usually the case, when these dastardly, nefarious, evil things happen in Beantown, in the great city, well, once great city of Boston, there's only one man that rushes to the ramparts to say, hey, what are we doing here? And why are people why, why are people approving it? And that's usually Joe Doyle, and he's on our Dude Maker Hotline with us. Joe, good morning. How are you? Mike, I'm fine. How are you? I'm always delighted to be here with you and with your listeners on the Mike Church Show. Well, we are always delighted to have you. And uh, I have to tell you, when I saw this uh, post the other day, I want to say that this isn't the first time you have caught Kevin Cullen in unethical, unethical activity, is it? Well, it isn't. I'm not the one that caught him. His own <clears throat> newspaper caught him. Ah. Cullen, just to let you know who Kevin Cullen is, he's a longtime columnist and reporter for the Boston Globe. Uh, he's a um, an Irish Catholic, though he's now a, a, a you might say a progressive uh, Catholic. He supports abortion and the, the entire culture of death and sodomy and uh, assisted suicide and everything else. Now he's he has a long history of Catholic bashing and of using hate speech to describe uh, you know conservative and Orthodox Catholics. And uh, he was also caught in an in a, in a serious ethical breach. He's a Pulitzer Prize winner, by the way. And he got the gold medal from the Erie Society for his contributions to Irish culture, by mostly by calling the Irish backward and priest-ridden. Uh, but he was caught in a, a very serious um, uh, act of journalistic malfeasance that nearly cost him his job in 2018. It, it, they discovered the Globe discovered that he made up uh, entire antidotes, fabricated his own role in reporting on the, uh, the Boston Marathon bombing in 2013 and placed himself at the scene and placed himself talking to, uh, to, uh, to, to victims and survivors of the marathon bombing, which never occurred. Uh, and of course, so he just, he just made things up. And his excuse for making things up was that he was upset about the bombing and he had been drinking. So this, is, of course, is a... Uh, I don't think, given his current recklessness in this other action that he's taken, uh, it's, I think it's fair to say Kevin has not yet joined AA. But um, <laughs> what's happened now is... But what, what's happened now is uh, uh, he became, he inserted himself into a story. He became a participant in the story he was running about. Uh, assisted suicide is back on the table here in Massachusetts, and there's a push to, uh, you know, the, the, they've legalized every imaginable thing regarding abortion and regarding uh, uh, homosexuality. Right. And now we even have, you know, state colleges in, in Massachusetts distributing the abortion pill. Uh, so now the, the next, uh, the, you might say the final wave offensive, the complete secularization and uh, and uh, paganization of Massachusetts culture is now to uh, uh, to um, uh, to legalize a physician assisted suicide. So the Globe came up with this huge, long lead uh, front page above the fold story uh, in which Kevin Cullen was to be the author. However, as it turned out, um, uh, the Globe found out what he Cullen did not reveal was the uh, that Cullen actually signed was uh, an affidavit. One of two people. Under Vermont law, two people have to sign an affidavit indicating that the person who intends suicide is of sound mind. So he did that, and he, uh, he signed this affidavit. And this uh, resulted in, a, in an unusual uh, public note from the editor of the Globe uh, rebuking Collins, stating that it's a violation of Globe standards for a reporter to insert themselves into a story they are covering. And the editor went, went, all, went on to say that Cullen now regrets his decision. But again, this is not the first time that he's run afoul of professional ethics 
and, uh, and journalistic standards. So this is really part of the course. Uh, I think Cullen is you know, somebody that could have received the, uh, what we used to call the Jippo Nolan Award here in Boston. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you remember the great John Ford movie about Ireland, The Informer, and that was uh, the, the chief character, Victor McClaglin, uh, played the lead in that 1936 film uh, of The Informer, who betrayed his friend and his country for money. And uh, Cullen is, again, an Irish-American Catholic who has spent his entire career at the Globe uh, attacking the, the Catholic religion. Uh, and he used and, and, and demonizing uh, conservative Catholics in the most uh, really kind of uh, you know horrific, horrific terms. He called the, the Bishop of Providence, uh, Bishop Tobin, uh, a troglodyte, and uh, he called uh, uh, Brother Thomas Augustine, the superior of the St. Benedict Center in Harvard, and the principal of the Mac of the Heart of Mary School, a holy roller. He's called me a whole variety of names, <laughs> including uh, Cape Crusader, preening, self-righteous, hypocrite, and other things. Uh, and he, but he seems to have a thin skin. He actually wrote a column once complaining about a letter to the editor that I wrote about him. Now, not many columnists actually devote um, their columns to, uh, to letters to the editor of people complaining about them. So he seems to be able, he has a bit of a glass jar. He seems to be able to dish it out but he doesn't like it when somebody uh, criticizes him. You should, uh, so you should send him a thank you note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah he's, he's been giving us marvelous publicity over the years. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we, sent, um, we, we knew that a letter to the Globe would not be published, so we sent a letter to the Herald just pointing out that, you know, Cullen is, uh, that, that they used it, the Herald did a story uh, about uh, Cullen, again, who writes for the Globe, saying if they, he committed a quote-unquote mortal sin, meaning a mortal sin of journalism, by inserting himself into the story. In this case, we said the term mortal sin may be more than a metaphor for journalistic malpractice, you know, and that he's always quick to accuse others of hypocrisy. It's his favorite invective, and, he, and he, he's, he's, he specializes in hurling invectives and making ad hominem attacks. His favorite invective is to accuse conservatives of being hypocrites. But we said that Cullen may want to ponder his own hypocrisy in pretending to be, you know, a practicing Catholic while collaborating in the taking of human life. And we also pointed out that, you know, again, Cullen has spent years demeaning and demonizing and, um, and making ad hominem attacks on conservatives, uh, none of whom, you know, unlike Kevin Cullen, ever helped kill anybody, you know? So uh, it was, uh, maybe it's time for Cullen to, you know, to cast the beam out of his own eye. And, of course, what he did was not only uh, against the, uh, the standards and practices of journalism, but, of course, against the laws of God. Uh, it's a terrible thing. He actually participated in the, in the taking of a human life. Of course, he supports the taking of a human life. He supports unrestricted, publicly funded abortion. He supports physician-assisted suicide. Um, and, of course, and his, his job, he's really kind of a Soviet-era. He would have made a great Soviet-era apparatchik. Soviet. He's more of a thug than a journalist. <laughs> uh, his, his job is not so much to rebut your argument as to destroy your reputation and to hold you up to public ridicule and to incite public contempt for you. Uh, his whole method is simply to, uh, to mock and uh, insult people. And uh, it, it, he never has to make it. You know, it's a great job, really, that, that what Cullen has. He never has to make a reasoned argument. All he has to do is, uh, is, um, is string together a whole series of schoolyard insults. So this is the, uh, again, this is a guy who's, who's uh, you know, uh, probably made more money working for the Globe than you and I will make in several lifetimes, Mike. And, um, but so uh, what's the old uh, couplet? That if treason prospers, none dare call it treason. He's an example of, uh, of a quizzling who's prospered very well. Uh, and uh, again, he's um, you know, and not only in terms of uh, you know his attacks on the faith, but in, you know he, uh, attacks on the Irish. Again, he he, uh, he referred to the Irish Republic as backward and priest-ridden. Yet later, later, the Erie Society of Boston gives him a gold medal for his contributions to Irish culture. 
So go figure. And, uh, it's uh, it's really uh, an example of uh, again the uh, uh, the majority of, of Catholics have simply conformed to the uh, dominant secular culture. And one of the reasons, perhaps, are uh, uh, they uh, they uh, 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 they achieve uh, you know uh, health and, and uh, wealth and affluence by doing so. so anyway. Well, there's, there's, there's so much. Joe Doyle of the Catholic Action League of Massachusetts on the uh, Dewmaker Hotline here with us talking about this woman who went to Vermont from Massachusetts to kill herself, another physician-assisted suicide abomination. There, there, there's, a lot to, there, there's a lot of meat to, on this bone to pick, um, uh, the least of which is this. Ever since the 19, I'd say the 1980s, probably uh, mid-late mid, 70s, certainly in the, uh, in the 1980s, and by the time you get to 1990, you know, you have this uh, this syndrome where the major newspaper news organizations in the United States have all turned to people like Anna Quindlin to be on their editorial pages. Anna Quindlin is an absolute angry woman quack. She had absolutely nothing to say other than that the world was not conforming to Anna Quindlin's view. You know, you had these once great columnists, Joe, that worked at so many great newspapers. You had Roland Evans and, and Robert Novak, Pat Buchanan in his heyday. You can say whatever you want about Buchanan, but the man had a gift with a pen, and he could actually write an editorial. Go back to the 1910s, 20s, and 30s. You know, you had, you had H.L. Uh, Mencken writing editorials. You had Chesterton taking the editorial pages of the London Times to call out George Bernard Shaw. There used to actually be people that wrote at newspapers that really had something to say and weren't these skyons and these 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 abominations on society. You know, you have to lay some of this, I guess, well, number one, people keep buying these newspapers, that's one. But number two, the editors that hire and keep employing these people. Look at Paul Krugman. You mentioned, well, Paul Krugman is one of the wealthiest people in the entire, he's almost, he has, you wouldn't believe this, he has, what, a 70-acre estate. The man, uh, and I don't know how he, how he got all of it, but he primarily from writing for the New York Times. What does Paul Krugman have to say? Well, American life stinks and Americans aren't good people. And you know, we should be more like the communists and socialists of Eastern, uh, of, of Eastern Europe. This is who the New York Times, you know, elevated to its, its senior uh, editorial writer. So, you know, uh, do, you, do you blame the news organizations? Do you blame the people that still read these people? Well, you know, Hillary Belloc said, you know, freedom of the press is for those who own newspapers. And the owners, of course, are ultimately responsible. The Globe was run by the Taylor families for years here in, in, in Massachusetts. The Globe, Boston Globe was kind of the leading uh, media institution in New England. It was run by the Taylor family, who were, of course, a, a group of kind of uh, liberal, mainstream, um, culturally conforming Protestants uh, and uh, secularized, uh, you know, kind of post-Christian uh, Protestants. And then they sold it to the New York Times and made a killing on it. And then the New York Times nearly went bankrupt with it because um, uh, readership had collapsed. And then they sold it to, uh, uh, to John Henry, who's the owner of the Boston Red Sox. So, you know, just everybody that, uh, that um, um, you know, goes to Boston Red Sox games and buys Red Sox paraphernalia, realize you, you know, you're subsidizing, uh, you know, institutional and pervasive anti-Catholicism at the Boston Globe. Uh, the, the Globe has been viciously anti-Catholic. You've heard of the 30 years war uh, Mike, the Globe has waged a 50-year war against Catholicism, and uh, they've some, really some of the worst Catholic bashes in the country. They had for years, as their religion columnist, uh, the excommunicated ex-priest James Carroll, who, uh, of course, defames mm. Catholicism every chance he gets as being responsible uh, for, the, uh, uh, for, the, uh, for the persecution of Jews and for anti-Semitism, and, of course, you know, invents history, revises it, 
just makes it up as he, as he goes along. And of course, he's never he's never he was never corrected by the editors. Uh, they had Marjorie Egan work for them uh, briefly. Uh, Kevin Cullen, uh, you know the uh, the cartoonist Paul Zepp, who despised uh, Pope John Paul II. Another cartoonist, uh, Dan Wasserman, who uh, again also uh, despised uh, Pope John Paul II. Oh, Wasserman uh, was the worst. Uh, worst. Yeah, yeah. So we have uh, you know, uh, and, and it's, it it isn't just an individual column or an individual reporter. I mean, it's pervasive and it's institutional and it's longstanding and it's systemic at the Globe. You know, the editorials, uh, the op-ed pieces, the Metro columns, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the theater art and, and, and movie and book reviews, every, every aspect of this is, is viciously and aggressively uh, anti-Catholic. And it just, it's, it, it, of course, they, uh, uh, they were the ones who um, uh, eventually really kind of forced the resignation of, of Bernard Condal Law. So they have a, uh, they have a trophy wall with a, with a Catholic cardinal's head on it. Uh, and uh, uh, this is something that... Uh, uh, you know they uh, they're obviously quite proud of, and they they simply and they and they employ a lot of quizlings who uh, uh, who uh, have have sold out the faith of their baptism and now now work against the church. So then, and Cullen I think is one of the you know really the leading examples of it. And again, Cullen uh, n- never bothers to construct a reasoned argument. All he does is just uh, simply shower you with a with a, with venom and vitriol and try to drown you in a. In a uh, in a, in, a, in a torrent of, of, of vitriol. So this is a, a very unpleasant individual. And, uh, you know, it, it's now twice he's been caught in, in, uh, in uh, you know, journalistic malpractice. So, you know, you wonder how it is that he's retained uh, after uh, now, uh, you know, the, the, this kind of conduct would have resulted in the firing of somebody else. So obviously, uh, you know, the, the, there's an old saying in Boston politics, if, uh, if you screw up and you don't get fired, it's because you're doing what your what your boss wants you to do. Uh, so uh, it uh, it it seems that uh, Colin is doing exactly what his masters, as one of the Irish footmen at the Globe, is doing exactly what his masters, who run the newspaper, want him to do. Now, Joe, let me take you back. Joe Doyle of the Catholic Action League of Massachusetts on our Dreamaker Hotline. Let me take you back to a story that you may or you may not know, but you probably know a little bit about it. I watched a documentary film uh, on this uh, with great interest, and I must confess I knew nothing about the story of this guy that was called the Boston Strangler. And apparently, um, uh, back in the hay- uh, in the day, Boston newspapers actually did kind of work for at, le- at least they pretended to work for the public good. There was a woman named Loretta McLaughlin who was a journalist. She wrote at the Boston Record American, and she was pursuing the story of the Boston Strangler. And she was convinced that the cops had the wrong guy, and she ultimately was proven correct. Be, uh, after um, uh, because they had the right guy in custody and they let him go, and ultimately they figure out that he uh, that he has that that, uh, that Loretta McLaughlin actually uh, uh, fingered who the right guy was, and in the film, Kira Knightley plays uh, plays uh, Loretta McLaughlin. Um, you know, the editor of the, of the newspaper keeps telling her no and putting her back on the recipe page, <laughs> and she keeps going, "Well, no, I want to pursue the story." Ultimately, Loretta McLaughlin is proven correct, and then they actually catch the guy who was the Boston Strangler. So newspapers, at once upon a time, actually did kind of serve a pur- public purpose. Yeah, it was um, that was the, that was Albert DeSalvo was uh, was the uh, that's the, right. Uh, was, I, I I actually knew someone who was who was slightly acquainted with Albert, and he said he was a very nice fellow. But apparently, he strangled eleven women or something. So it was uh, <laughs> there was he had a, a kind of a dual personality, I suppose you'd say. 
but um, uh, they had, uh, yeah, the, 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 the Record American was the old uh, Hearst tabloid paper in Boston. Okay. And well, what you had is the, the Boston Globe was kind of the elite uh, kind of Yankee Protestant uh, newspaper. And then the Herald was the Boston Herald Traveler was the Republican, uh, you know, establishment Republican conservative paper. And then kind of the, uh, the more kind of populist inclined uh, tabloid kind of working class paper was the old Record American which went out of business uh, about 19... They had Boston Post, too, which was a, uh, a fourth paper, which was, um, was, was kind of a Democratic paper, which out of business about 1956. And about 1970, 71, the record was bought out by the Herald, and then the Herald Traveler ended up becoming the Boston Herald. And now we have two newspapers, and we have, of course, this, again, um, you know, uh, 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 ultra-woke uh, left-wing paper now, The Globe. Yeah. And, of course, the Herald is one of these, again, kind of tepid, you know, quasi libertarian Again, establishment Republican papers that doesn't like Trump. So it was a, we, there, there isn't a, a lot of uh, 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 journalistic diversity, you might say, in Boston. Right. But, but the Globe, but the Globe sets the, uh, the, the the standard for all the television stations and all the radio stations and all the, the lesser media. That's not a good. The, the kind of that's not a good standard, is it? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not a good standard. Yeah. No, no, not not at all. And uh, it was. You know, the Globe never even endorsed anybody for, for public office until 1967. And it was only um, because the Catholics had gotten organized. In 1967, they endorsed Kevin White for mayor of Boston, because the alternative to Kevin White was the populist uh, Catholic city councilor, um, uh, Louise Day Hicks, who was defending the Catholic neighborhoods at a time of racial integration and blockbusting and, and busing and so on. And they, they, they were, of course, uh, appalled by... Uh, by Hicks, in the, in the same way they're appalled by Donald Trump today, and they became uh, involved in politics only then. But since then, uh, since at least the early 1970s, they've been just waging this jihad against uh, Catholic moral teaching and against any political leaders uh, that that, uh, that that defend Catholic moral teaching, including you know the late Governor Edward J. King, uh, former Senate President uh, William Bulger, who just turned 90, by the way, Friday, so a happy birthday to Senate President Bill Bulger. And um, uh, anybody else, Representative Jim Craven, Representative Paul Feeney, uh, any of the other, uh, uh, again, Louisa Hicks went on to become a congresswoman, uh, and uh, Suffolk County District Attorney uh, uh, Garrett Byrne, a- anybody that stood up for the, uh, for the Catholic community or for Catholic values, uh, the Globe uh, was committed to uh, destroying them. Is that, uh, it sounds like a life's work, and it sounds like a dastardly line of work. Joe, I'm going to let you run, but let me ask you a final question. You said you might know who the new incoming Archbishop of the Archdiocese of Boston uh, was. Did that come to fruition? No, it was, uh, there's no, uh, there was no announcement today. There's been a lot of chatter that the announcement would be very, very soon. Um, uh, Todd O'Malley is uh, going to turn 80 years old on the 29th of June. Now, as you know, um, uh, you know they, they turn in their resignations uh, as as uh, as residential bishops and archbishops when they're seventy five. Right. Uh, Pope Francis Pope Francis chose uh, not to accept Cardinal O'Malley's resignation uh, four and a half years ago. Uh, but after the age of eighty, they can't vote in papal elections. They can't hold any office. They can't hold any curial office. So he has to go between now and the twenty ninth of June. So there's been a lot of chatter about possible successors. And uh, two of the names that have come up is uh, Bishop Barry of uh, Rockville Center, who's kind of nondescript. But another one, uh, uh, Bishop James Cecchio of Matuchin, New Jersey, which is a suffragan see of Newark, which is run by, you know, the notorious Cattle uh, uh, Tobin. Yep. And uh, uh, Bishop Cecchio is a, is a full-blown progressive who uh, has enforced uh, traditionis custodis, suppressing the Latin Mass, 
and is uh, has welcomed Father James Martin to his to his uh, residence oh, and uh, approved Martin speaking at diocesan institutions and has a, a gay ministry so called and um, uh, you know uh, has been uh, um, um, somebody that seems to uh, be more in in, in line with the. Uh, the Pope's uh, orientation, you might say. So uh, it was uh, for Cecchio as a possible uh, Bishop James Cecchio of Batucha, New Jersey, as a possible successor to O'Malley. All I can say is, ugh. Joe Doyle of the Catholic Action League of Massachusetts. You can find them online, Catholic Action League of Massachusetts, and also the uh, press director of the Friends of the St. Benedict Center. Joe, as always, thank you for your time, and keep up the great work, and we shall talk again soon. Soon, St. Patrick's Day is coming up too. By the way, so it'll be hopefully. A it's the anniversary. It has to happen. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Mike. All right, Joe. Always thank you again. Delighted to be here. All thank right. You. Bye now. Pre- appreciate Bye. it. Bye. All right.